Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 132. On today's episode, I'm talking about holiday cards. Sending these annual cards is a dilemma that I have been waffling on for years. And today I'm dissecting this annual tradition to see if it's one that I want to continue for our family. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season. December is flying by and we have only one more show before 2023. If this is your first time here, well, then welcome to the show. I am so excited that you are here. If you are returning, then of course, welcome back. I say this every week, but I create this show for all of you that are listening, and so it means the world to me when you come back for more. I'm getting a little feisty today, and I'm going to be a bit controversial. It's not like me to ruffle feathers, so I am a little nervous, but I believe in what I'm going to say today, and so I promise as always that I will be nice about it. And if you choose to do things differently, well, then that is totally okay too. I just want to be honest with my perspective and give you some encouragement if you want to do things differently. And so you know that you are not alone in those that journey to be a little different and do things maybe not quite exactly the way everyone else around you does it. But before we dive in too far, I want to take a moment to ask a favor from you. If you like this episode, can you take a moment and give it a rating or a review on whatever app you are using to listen to the show? If you're on Apple Podcasts, I would also be thrilled if you would leave me a quick review. This past week, I got the sweetest review from Taina Mom, and I do hope that I said your name correctly. Um, Here is what she had to say, quote, This is a great podcast, five stars. 
I have read over 20 books on decluttering and as it is a passion of mine, and yet she presents information in such a way that I am constantly learning new things from her. I love this podcast, end quote. Holy smokes. Thank you so much for the amazing compliment. I am humbled and honored and I am completely blushing over here. I have been smiling about that review for over a day. So thank you so much for leaving that review. And I will do my best to continue to share things that have worked in our home and in our lives in hopes that they will help you too. And that's why I felt like I had to talk about holiday cards on the show today. Now, I completely understand that I am late to the game on giving this advice for the topic of 2022 because the holiday cards, I mean, they've been rolling through our mailbox for a solid four weeks. I mean, some of y'all are on top of it. We definitely have some friends that really, you know, are on schedule and know what they're doing. And so if you've already sent out your cards this year, you might be inclined to skip this episode, but I hope that you'll stay and listen so that I can plant a seed for an idea for next year, maybe. So, okay. Why holiday cards? I mean, last year I made this big declaration about being more of an adult and finally sending out cards again for the first time in a few years. I haven't always been the most on top of things. And if you're new to this show, that might seem like a surprise to you, but it's honestly the biggest reason why I strive for less in my life. It's so that I can stay on top of the important things. And we were traveling a bit and we were unsettled and and, you know, kind of things were crazy and COVID and all that stuff. So I don't, I hadn't done a really good job of sending cards for a few years. And last year I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be an adult from here on out. I'm going to send these cards and I'm going to do it. And I was so proud of myself for getting them out last year on time, like early and everything. And so, you know, I, I just thought I would continue that. But this year I was actually inspired by a friend of ours who sent out a Christmas letter via email about her and her family. And she attached a link to a Google photo album so that, you know, she could include photos that went along with their highlights from 2022. And for some reason, the delivery of that email really hit me. In the past, I've received printed Christmas letters from family and friends. And generally, those come with no pictures attached, right? So it's just kind of a letter about the family and what's going on. And other times, I've received a letter with pictures included. But When that happens, generally it's printed on one like eight and a half by 11 sheet, right? And they try to include so many pictures that it can get a little difficult to see them because, you know, they become small and, you know, because you try to get the pictures and the text and all that in there. And sometimes the quality can suffer on those images. And so you can't see everything that's in there. And then I looked at the other cards that we've gotten. We've received quite a few so far this year, and mostly they're the kinds with one or two images. They have a holiday wish from the family. And, you know, they're beautiful and I love getting them. I really do enjoy seeing everyone's family, but they were missing that connection that I felt with that email I had received. And so this kind of all sparked this internal debate with myself. And so I decided that I wanted to dig a little deeper. And as I get further into this minimalism thing, it surprises me what regular activities strike me as different. You know, what what happens? Like sometimes I'll just be going along and all of a sudden I... I'm totally rethinking something that I've done before or something I've been doing for a really long time. And when that happens, I know that I'm about to make a change in our lives that, like I said, a few years or even a few months ago or even a couple days ago, I wouldn't have even considered. And so this year, it's going to be the cards. And this is why, I don't know. So I just felt really compelled to talk about this topic this week. So 
I did take some research. I took some time to go look at the card industry, its environmental impact, and I wanted to see if I could be better this year. And so this episode is what I have learned. And if you want to get links to all of the research behind this, because there's quite a bit, I will have all the links on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 132. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 132. All right, so let's dive into it. So what is the matter with paper holiday cards? Well, it turns out that there is a pretty big environmental impact from all of these paper cards that we collectively send each year. And there are four distinct stages of a card's life cycle. And so let's go through those. The first one is paper production. Well, obviously, we're going to need to produce paper to make the cards, so that's where we start. And producing paper needed to create the cards, well, it not only contributes to deforestation, I mean, that's a huge problem right now, one of our biggest environmental problems, really, but it also produces many emissions in the process. It's required to turn that wood into paper. So we've got that as the first problem. And of course, we can use recycled paper, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, the second one is printing. And this is actually the smallest issue. But there are big manufacturing plants that are printing the ink that are on these raw paper cards. And this stage also is where they're adding the gloss, the glitter, the foil, and then that can cause problems later when we want to try to recycle these cards. And once those things are added, they're no longer recyclable. The third part is postage and shipping. So postage is seen as a problem a few times. The first is where you have to get those raw materials to the paper manufacturer, and then you have to get the paper to the printer. And next you have to get those finished cards and they go to either the store or to directly to your home so that you can mail them. And then finally, you send them from yourself to the intended recipient. You might cut out that final shipment if you do order your cards from a company that will send them directly to your um, intended recipient, because that is definitely one of those new things that they can do. So there might only be three there, but there's still quite a few times that this stuff is moving around the globe, right? And so there's all these emissions that are created by planes, trucks, and the delivery cars. And those, this part, right, is generally regarded as being responsible for the largest part of a card's footprint, which makes sense, right? We're taking these things and we're sending them all over the world. And then the fourth part is uh, decomposition or breaking it down or recycling, things like that. And so depending on where you are in the world, recycling will be utilized more or less. One of the sources that I was looking at was mainly from the UK. And that study showed that about 67% of the cards were recycled, but then the other 33% of the cards were not recycled and they end up in the line landfill. Now, this could be because they have foil or glitter and that kind of stuff. And so that's they're not able to be uh, recycled. So this is what I was talking about before. And so they're going to end up there in the landfill and they're going to degrade. They're going to be anaerobically and it's going to release those greenhouse gases. And that's what's causing a lot of the problems. And so uh, this was the study that was uh, conducted by the UK's Exeter University, and it determined that sending one card produces about 140 grams of carbon dioxide. So that entire process there that we just talked about, one through four, the paper production, the printing, the postage and the mailing, and the decomposition. Now, that study was produced for a company called Do Not Send Me a Card, which I think is hilarious as a business name. Their example was based upon a 10-gram letter, right? So something that weighed 10 grams, printed upon recycled paper, posted, and then recycled within the UK. So think about that. There's three things right there, or two things, really. The 
that it was printed with recycled paper, and that it was recycled within the UK. And it was really funny because as I continued reading this study, they did go on to throw some shade at the US. And I'm going to quote here. They said, if we're considering a card printed on non-recycled paper, posted within the US, and in turn not recycled, the carbon footprint could be in excess of 200 grams of carbon dioxide, okay? So yes, I get it. Uh, the US is a little behind on their recycling um, than, the, than um, over in the UK. But come on. That was, I don't know. Anyway, you see it. You can tell me if you think they're throwing shade or not. Anyway, you can see that it's a problem. But how big of a problem is it? Turns out it is a lot because we send a lot of holiday cards around the world. Back to kind of the, those UK sources. According to the local gardener, the UK sends about 1 billion Christmas cards yearly. It takes one tree to make roughly 3,000 standard cards, and that means over 300,000 trees a year can be cut down to make cards over the holidays. That's just in the UK. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair, and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. In the U.S., we mail around 1.3 billion holiday cards. So if we extrapolate out the figure from above, it means that if you combine the two, we collectively need over 760,000 trees to send holiday cards in the U.S. and the U.K. 
And now we know that there's got to be way more trees being used for these cards because we're only talking about two countries here. Yes, there are two Western countries that do send a lot of holiday cards, but there are so many other countries that are sending holiday cards as well. And so it kind of pains me to think about over, I'm sure over a million trees are being used for holiday cards alone every single year. And honestly, it wasn't until I started looking at these statistics that I began to examine the holiday cards we get. So the problem is that I enjoy receiving these cards, right? I do. I really like getting them. I like keeping up with my friends and family. I like getting to see the photos as their children grow over the years. But in addition to receiving the card, we have to decide then what to do with it, right? And I know I hear this all the time from different people. Like I hear it um, in the Facebook group. I hear it um, in my DMs. I hear it in my emails. I hear it from my family and my friends in person. They want to know like, okay, well, now I've got this card. What do I do with it? And it's sentimental, right? You're now looking at these pictures of these people. And I know that it can be really difficult for a lot of people to then discard these holiday cards at the end of the year because it's hard to just toss them. They've got pictures of our friends and families on them. And scanning is too time consuming. So I'm going to tell you what I've started doing in my home. Maybe this little tip will help you. At the end of the holiday season, I now gather up the cards and I lay them all out on the floor, and then I fit as many as I can into a picture. I'll take a picture with my phone. And I don't try to have too many because I want to be able to zoom in and look at the cards over the years if I do want to go back to them. I'll take a few pictures depending on how many I can comfortably squeeze into the one picture. And I'll take the front side and the back side of the cards. And then I don't feel bad about letting them go. So I don't have to store them. I don't have to keep the physical card. I have a um, you know, electronic copy of it. And so I can refer back to it when I want to. And it's saved in my phone in chronological order. So I know what year they all come from, which is really great too. But then I put them in the recycle bin, right? I do. I actually put them in the recycle bin. Sorry, not sorry, friends. I do appreciate the card. I enjoyed it for the season, but it doesn't get to live in my house indefinitely. Hopefully that little bit of honesty will help you uh, not feel so bad about letting go of the holiday cards if you would like to recycle them as well. Okay, great. So we know that cards are a problem. We know that this is maybe something we want to consider changing, but what do we do moving forward? Well, thankfully, there are several viable options for what we can do instead of sending a physical paper card. And the first one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list five things here. So the first one I'm going to talk about is email. It's basically what I talked about at the start of the show. And it's the one that I'm going to be doing this year. And I'm sending an email with a link to a shared photo album, just like my friend did. It felt very personal. And I felt like I got to catch up on what their past year was like. I felt like I got to see like how they've grown over the year and what they've done. And I really hope that my family and friends will feel the same when they receive this email. The second thing you can do is to send a virtual card. So similar to an email, you can send a card that then doesn't send the physical card, but it's a lot closer to the cards you are already sending. Now, this might be a good stepping stone if you like the convenience and the style of a pre-designed card with a holiday message. So you can then add a family photo to personalize it more. And if you're using a service like Paperless Post, that gives the receivers a nice virtual experience of opening the card and pulling it out of the envelope. If you've ever seen it, it's got a really nice animation. So that's definitely an option. The third idea is one that I saw on um, a website called brightly.eco, and it's to send wish cloths. Have you heard of these? 
They are folded like a card, but they're actually reusable dishcloths, and they're out. They're from Sweden. You can write on them like a card if you use a permanent marker, and so it's almost like you're sending an actual card, but it can be reused by the receiver to clean up spills and messes, and one wishcloth is the equivalent of 17 rolls of paper towels. In addition, it can be composted once it's used up, so it kind of helps through that whole life cycle process, right? So you can reuse it, and then it can actually be composted at the end. So it won't take up space in the landfill, which is amazing. They are a little pricey, but if you are doing one-off cards, you'll notice the one-off cards have gone up significantly in price at the store as well. It does almost feel like a one-for-one if you are not sending a ton of cards in the first place, but this is a really good option. I thought it was really fun. The fourth one is to make a call. Do you remember when we used to talk to people on the phone? Like, yeah, we used to do that. I know, right? I remember thinking when text messaging was coming out, and I'm going to age myself here, but I remember thinking that I would never choose to text someone over calling them. But even now, I always text first to make sure it's a good time to talk before I even call someone, even my own mother. Instead of sending it, let's be honest, you know, a somewhat impersonal card. I do love getting the cards, but they are a little impersonal because it's not like they were meant for one in particular person, and I've done them too. But maybe we should schedule a chat with some friends, and we can either do that over the phone or via video chat, so we can actually connect with them and see how they're doing this year. So it's just another option. And number five is to reuse old cards. Now, this one isn't going to work so well for those photo cards. I mean, kids grow up, so it gets pretty obvious if you try to reuse those. But if you use this for traditional cards, it can work. In fact, my late father-in-law did this with a friend of his. And I'm fuzzy on the details of how it started, but they exchanged the same card back and forth for well over 20 years. And each year they added one line and then send it back. And it became something that they looked forward to sending or receiving every year. And it was only one way. So they only had the card every other year, I think. I just thought that was a really fun tradition. And I'm not sure how it started, but I think that could be something really fun that you could start with your friends if you want to continue sending these cards. And that might be a fun way to kind of just uh, see what's going on, but being really quick, right? One line, it's like um, like analog Twitter or something. I don't know. I just thought that was really fun. And it was a fun tradition that they really looked forward to every single year. Now, there will be some people who will tell me that these options that I listed also have climate ram- ramifications. And of course, that is true. Everything we do has an impact. A standard email, which means an email without an attachment, has a carbon footprint of about four grams of carbon dioxide, or the equivalent. And this is because emails need power from electricity. They have to run the, you know, that runs the data centers. And then, of course, there's your device where you create the email and then you have to send it. And then plus the recipient's device where they receive it. And so, of course, there is some electricity and some carbon footprint that's going to go into that. The amount of carbon dioxide per email does vary. So if you send attachments, I've seen that the estimates get as high as 50 grams of carbon dioxide, but adding, you know, a link to a shared photo album in the cloud, which is what I plan to do with my emails, will hopefully cut down on those emissions significantly. But the point is, it's an improvement in the right direction, right? It's not perfect. Nothing we do is perfect. It's just now that I have learned and know better, I have to do better. And so that's why I'm going to be going the email route. And in addition, it feels a little more authentic to me. And I hope it's well received. And perhaps the a side benefit is going to be that it might spark a conversation back via email. When I get a holiday card in the mail, 
I'm not likely to write a letter in response, even if it is a nice Christmas letter. But hopefully, when I send out these emails, I may get a response back because it's so much easier. We're so used to communicating via email. And so I think it's an interesting idea. And I'll maybe I'll report back to see um, if we get any, you know, conversation sparked that way. So I'll try to report via Instagram uh, whether I do get any connections back. And and that connection is what I think most of us are looking for, especially during the holiday season. And so if this card, this email, not this physical card, can actually give us more of that connection, then I think it's a bigger win than just the environmental impact, which is obviously a win. And I, before I leave, I just want to leave you with one little tidbit of educational information. Holiday cards did not exist before 1843. And why they were created is a little interesting. Holiday cards were actually a snub to tradition at the time. Englishman Henry Cole thought up the idea of Christmas cards because he was too busy to write a personal holiday greeting. And so instead, he hired a well-known London artist uh, named John Calcott Horsley to design a card that he could send to all of his acquaintances. So back then, you were supposed to send a handwritten letter, and he decided that he didn't have the time and wanted to go kind of the quick way. And so he hired somebody to, you know, create a beautiful art piece of artwork. But again, this was outside of the norm. And then that tradition was actually brought to the United States in 1875 by German immigrant Louis Prang. So even though it feels like this has been going on forever and things have always been done this way, and it was a long time ago, a lot has changed and it's actually been less than 200 years since this tradition began. So it's not like it's been going on forever. I think we can take a page from this origin story and create new traditions that are heartfelt and better for Mother Earth. And so with that, I want to turn to you. What are your thoughts on sending holiday cards? Do you send them? Do you not? Are you ready to snub tradition with me and go more of an electronic route? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. I would absolutely love to know, and I know the other members would too. I'm hoping this topic isn't too controversial, but I'm ready for it. So let me know what you really think. And as always, I have links to the research for today's episode and additional resources on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 132. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 132. And with that, I hope you have a fabulous day and a wonderful holiday weekend. I'll see you back here next week. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.